This is Photo Buzak's episode number 348, and today we're talking portrait photography success with photography business coach Steve Saparito. That interview's coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here from Impact Images, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. I'm coming to you today from Japan, a little resort. Well, actually, it's a large resort, a large ski resort on the main island of Honshu called Shigakogen. The snow has been incredible, but we are taking a day off today. My youngest brother, Simon, has got two sore knees. <laughs> My eldest son, Matthew, has one sore knee. And that is following some crazy big days of skiing in some incredible powder snow. So I'm taking this chance to get the intro and outro recorded for this week's episode. In regards to me and my business, I haven't been doing too much work on the actual business. I have still been going on with the video course and I've just reached out to Neve MacArthur, who is the presenter of the course for an interview in the future. So hopefully she'll say yes to that because I am certain that what she shares about video and video marketing will be useful to you and your business. So I'll keep you posted about that. In addition to that, I've been focusing on Photo Biz X and lining up future guests for interviews. And you may not have heard in the past, but if you do have a guest that you would like to hear interviewed for the show, please get in touch with me. Let me know why they would make a great guest, what genre they shoot. And in particular, if you have a reason or a line of questioning that you'd like me to follow with that particular suggested guest, let me know. And the easiest way to do that is via email. It's andrew at photobizx.com. In saying all that, the Impact Images business has still been rolling along because Linda is now at home and looking after things there, although the crazy wet weather has meant that some shoots have had to be rescheduled, which is a real pain, and it gives me just some indication of what it must be like for those that have been affected by the bushfires. They continue to be affected, particularly those photographers who live in smoke-affected areas like Canberra, where the air quality is still terrible and people just aren't thinking about portrait sessions, pet photography sessions, and going out to create memories with their families in the outdoors. So my thoughts are with you guys. I hope you're getting through it. And like I've said to a couple of photographers who have been in touch with me, make sure you're focusing on the business side of things if you can't actually do the shoots right now. This is the perfect time to think about setting up third-party marketing relationships, getting copy sorted out for your Facebook ads, building relationships with other vendors, doing some work on your website. So make sure you're working on your business. Keep moving forward so that when things do change, when they do turn around, you are ready and set to go. And now, a macro look at our last episode. In last week's episode, I interviewed Wendy Yellum. She is a lifestyle slash personal brand photographer based in the United States, and she has built up the most incredible business where she gets to travel the world to shoot these personal brand sessions with her clients. In the interview, we talked all about pricing, advertising, referral-based marketing, and building the kind of lifestyle that you want with personal brand photography. That particular interview on personal branding 
example, personal brand photography, seems to have really hit the nail on the head with PhotoBizX members who are interested in this genre. So if that is you and you haven't heard that interview, get back and have a listen to Wendy Yellum. It's episode 347. And she takes a totally different approach to this style of photography to previous guest, Michael Schacht, who believes that personal brand photography is an extension or should be an extension of headshot photography. And that's what's working for him. In Wendy's case, she is 100% personal brand photography without the headshots. Get back and have a listen to that one if you haven't heard it. PhotoBizX.com. Real advice, real strategies, and real ideas to build your photography business. We're about to jump into this interview with Steve Saparito in just a second. If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast, and that means you're going to get a bunch of information from Steve, some fantastic, implementable, actionable items that he shares in the first half of this interview, but I will be saving the second half or a large portion of it for premium members only. So if you love what you're hearing from Steve in the first half and you want to hear the second half of the interview where he really shares some very, very cool stuff, then you can do that for as little as $1 with a trial membership. It's a 30-day trial membership. You can get it at photobizx.com forward slash try. Sign up there for that $1. You'll have 30 days to listen to the full interview with Steve, plus you can access the full back catalog. I'll invite you to join the premium members Facebook group so you can check that out, see how valuable that is, and also give you some instructions on how to get set up in your very own mastermind group. All that as part of that $1 trial membership, photobizx.com forward slash try to learn more about that. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Today's guest has appeared on the podcast a number of times, and I used to introduce him as the doctor of portrait photography success. He's a photography business coach who doesn't pull any punches. He isn't afraid to push and challenge you to the point of tears, I might add, as he tears down your limiting beliefs and starts rebuilding your business from the ground up. He's based in Australia, but he has clients all around the world, and his specialty is portrait photography studios. His focus is getting you to create artwork that excites your clients, gives you more time to enjoy your life and your family, and make more money with your photography. He's owned and run a successful studio himself, and he's assisted hundreds of other studio owners to do the same. I'm talking about Steve Saparito, and I'm wrapped to have him back with us now. Steve, welcome. Hey, Andrew. How are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. <laughs> You're a bit under the weather, mate, so I've got to say massive thanks for coming on and, and doing this <laughs> in the state you're in, mate. So thank you. All good. And uh, you're back in Australia? Back in Australia. I'm back for – I'm actually on the ground for about six weeks, which is really awesome <laughs> for me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and so most of your year is travelling around the world or are you mainly based here in, in Australia? Well, this is where home is, obviously, Australia's home and it's where my kids are. But most of what I do seems to be US, UK and Europe, Italy and and France, really. So I've got sort of clients all over the place, but I'm running workshops and just helping people build studios across these nations. Nice. So do you generally go into a brand new studio and advise someone on how to set it up? Or do you go into someone's studio that isn't working or that is working and you want to make it better? Both. In most cases, the majority of photographers don't have a studio. And so when they come to a workshop or they start on the membership, it just builds them the confidence to then 
get some type of studio, whether they're building something on their own property or sometimes they're leasing a commercial property. In the case of the UK recently, I went and did a a course in July and this last September trip that I did, I went and visited four or five studios that people then had the confidence to then either sign leases for or, you know, they've refitted a an area in their home to dedicate as a studio. When you say the word studio, do you mean a space to shoot or a space to sell? Well, my my definition is a place to, to sell really or to have a business. So it's the part that makes the money. So some people, because they love shooting outdoors, don't necessarily want to have a shooting space. They prefer to shoot outdoors, but the selling area needs to be an area that is custom built in order for people to be able to make decisions really, really easily. Okay, so you're more for the idea of a client coming to the studio owner for a sales session rather than the photographer going to the client to sell? We do both. I teach both because different people are in different parts of their life and some people really love that customer service where they're going to the client. One does mimic the other and the rules are exactly the same when it comes to selling setting up the right product and making sure that it's a great experience for the clients, no matter what. My personal preference is that they come to you because you can be a lot more efficient and have a lot more of your life back rather than spending an hour or 40 minutes, you know, in traffic going to see the client, they're doing that work and then they're coming to a custom built studio. That's my preference, but I teach both. Okay, nice. You already mentioned some words that I really want to pick your brains on, things like rules, product, experience, (laughs) and I'm going to come back to those. (laughs) I didn't even notice that. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm curious, because you serve and talk to and help clients around the world, do you see a difference between, you know, photographers and clients in the US as opposed to Canada, as opposed to the UK, as opposed to Australia? Everybody seems to believe that their particular country or their particular city is different to everybody else's and they hold that belief. But the reality is, is that once you start implementing the basics of and understand what clients want in general, there's not a lot of difference. And then the sales averages that I'm seeing across the globe are very, very similar and relate directly to how much people are actually implementing. So, you know, averages let's say that we're seeing portrait averages of three and a half thousand, that seems to translate to the UK as in three and a half thousand pounds or three and a half thousand dollars or three and a half thousand American dollars or Australian dollars. It seems to be the number that is fairly consistent across the globe. So, and we'll soon have more solid numbers for, I suppose, Europe as well, because we've only just started there. But it seems consistent. Everybody thinks that they're living in the worst part of the world or that <laughs> their circumstances are completely different to everybody else. But in reality, it's no different. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, what you said there, that number, $3,500 as an average or pounds, That's a big number. And I'm guessing if I put myself in the place of the listener, there are some listeners going to be thinking, come on, you're just saying that because you're a coach, you're looking to get more clients, three and a half thousand dollars. I haven't got a hope in hell of getting that as an average. What do you say to that person? Every single one of the people that comes to my workshops has the same line when they first start, but it's what's normal. It's what people seem to want to spend when they are buying wall art from you and when you are giving them something that absolutely matters to them. And I think that's the biggest missing link that most people miss in the industry is helping people find out what matters to them. 
And when we do that, they do tend to spend. I mean, is it a big number? I mean, people spend $3,500 on rubbish these days. Like I walked in to, um, where was it? Harvey Norman, I'm trying to translate it, but I don't need to because I'm in Australia. Um, <laughs> and there were people buying washing machines at two and a half, three thousand dollars $3,000, like for a washing machine, really? <laughs> anyway, but I just think when we do focus on what people want and we're able to help them reconnect as a family, then 3500 for them isn't a lot of money. So when you walk into a studio or you're listening to a photographer who's averaging, say, let's say $1,000, so they've got a pretty good business, they've got lots of leads coming in, they're doing shoots, they're averaging $1,000 per... Let's make it real. Let's make it real. Most of the studios that I walk into are averaging about 500 Okay. (laughs) To 600 (laughs) All right. Well, this particular studio is a little bit better. They're averaging (laughs) 1000 Okay. Awesome. Like when you first walk in, what are you looking for? What faults are you looking for that's holding them back? from getting that $3,500 average? Usually when I walk in, all the signs of why people are only spending that much money are out and obvious. So just looking at the product that they have on display in many cases is very confusing for a client. And in many cases, we don't treat our product as if it's worth the money that we are charging for it. So it tends to be not well thought out at all. We tend to create ways for clients to minimize their spend with us. So for instance, I walked in to a studio the other day and they had nothing but family photos up because their clients ring up for family photos. Now the family photo is, you know, is the catalyst for them wanting to come in. But when they started displaying photographs of just one child or perhaps that child playing with its father or a collection of the family dog, that then incentivizes people to then buy something else other than the family photo. So although the catalyst is that they want a family photo, in most cases, most people will spend a lot more money and will spend more willingly on something that's more meaningful than the family photo. So the displays tend to give it away. Usually the placement of the product forces people to buy the cheapest product. So not being aware of where are the prime areas in your studio that people are attracted to they tend to be filled with the cheapest product. And I can pretty much walk into any studio and say, okay, this is what you're selling all the time. Am I right? Usually yes. And it's purely because of how they've placed their product. So if we just switch some of the product around, the sales go up. It's that simple sometimes. It's simple. It really is. (laughs) Our business is really easy because we are an industry that focuses on helping people discover who is important to them and what's important to them. And when we do that and we're able to showcase that in some beautiful artwork for them, it's a no-brainer. People just want it. Yeah. I'm going to come back to how you get to that point, but just staying with the topic of product, I mean, I hear this from, particularly from newer photographers that are looking to say, that maybe a wedding photographer looking to get into portraits, Mm -hmm. they don't know what products to offer. What's the simplest What's the easiest, what's the best thing to start with and where do we go from there? Well, I coach a lot of wedding photographers and 
in my head, a wedding is nothing more than a really, really long portrait session, really. And there's lots of opportunities that go with that. So with a lot of wedding photographers, what I find is that they're not making the forever session, sorry, I have to translate that, the engagement session, important enough for them, for the client. In most cases, you know, when somebody's doing an engagement session, it's about, well, what is it about? You're out there, Andrew. It's more about, you know, you getting to know me, you know, getting to know my style as a photographer, as opposed to that first session, which sets the standard for the rest of the wedding and the rest of the shoots that come after the wedding, all the portrait sessions that come with it. When it becomes about you helping this couple discover their why and helping them discover why is this the man you chose to spend the rest of your life with and vice versa for the groom, what is it about this woman that makes you want to spend the rest of your life with her if the focus is helping people discover their why and the photos represent that, we then end up with a much more meaningful shoot for them as the engagement session. And they'll spend, you know, four or $5,000 on that usually on average. So that then sets the precedence for everything else that comes after it. And then planning out the display. So getting back to the product that you're talking about, really thinking about what you're displaying. So if in the forever session, there is, you know, a great collection that you could put together of a groom and let's say he loves his cars, he spends a lot of time in his shed fixing things and you took some awesome photographs of that, some detail shots, and you were to have a display of that on the wall. Having that display entices a bride because usually, you know, a half-decent looking guy, the brides are quite attracted to that. If they want something like that, you've then sold multiple pieces of artwork because a guy would never let her have something on display of him unless there is something of her up. So you've effectively sold that extra, you've sold... An extra collection, haven't you? Well, three, because you've got him, you've got her, and then they still don't have them as a couple. Yeah. Effectively. Whereas if you just have couple photos up, then that's all you're ever going to sell. Yeah. I don't want to make this a focus for wedding photographers only because I really want to keep this to portrait photographers. I know what you're saying, that a wedding photographer is ultimately a portrait photographer anyway. Yeah. And just let me tie it down to product just a little bit more because I want to come back to getting those kinds of shots and creating those feelings from the couples that has them wanting to spend more. Well, the rules are the same, Andrew, if it's a family. So, you know, having a, a great photograph of a dad or a collection of dad with kids, you'll then sell, you know, that then propels you to sell multiples rather than if you've just got a family photo or if it's just focused on mum and kids for the same reasons. Okay, let me come back to that in a second. So just stick tightly to product for one second. A listener is asking about products, say, in the members' Facebook group. Mm -hmm. They want to know, should they be selling canvas, frame prints, acrylics, metal prints? That's what I'm talking about when I'm saying products. Ah, okay. I think more about the subject. What seems to sell the most at the moment are canvases and acrylics seem to sell the most. I warn people against having acrylics and metals make a decision between metals and acrylics because clients don't see the difference between the two and it just confuses them. They're too similar in a client's mind. 
So when we've taken one away, we seem to get better sales. So in most cases, choose between your metal and your acrylic. Canvases just sell really, really well and either your acrylics or metals. And obviously I advocate selling collections rather than single pieces. Right. So in just describe for the listener who's unfamiliar with the term collections, what you're talking about there. So a collection is, um, you know, I've tried and tested what seems to sell. So one of the ones that sell really well is a collection of five squares and the middle one, and this is a major piece, obviously. So it's a 40 by 40, whether it be canvas or acrylic, and it's surrounded by four nine ten and a halves by nine ten and a halves. And that is one story, one subject, but it's five separate photographs, five separate pieces that are sold as a collection that may go, it's the perfect size to go out over a three-seater couch or a queen-size bed or something similar to that. So you have the big 40 by 40 hero image in the middle and then you have the two on either side. Correct. So it looks like a big rectangle when it's all said and done and hung above. Yep. Overall, it's about 80 inches. Right, okay. All right, so that's a collection. See, it's interesting because... I hear you recommending or suggesting, say, acrylics or metals, one or the other, Mm -hmm. and also canvases. But if we're looking at the business side of things and taking into account cost of goods, doesn't canvas like kill acrylics and metal prints? From a pricing point of view? Yes. Depends where you buy it from. Okay. Some labs are charging pretty much the same depending upon the finish. So, you know, this is why I struggle with helping saying this is how much you should charge for anything. And, you know, we should never say that anyway because there's a lot of other factors that go into pricing. But depending upon where you you get your product from, sometimes there's not a lot of difference between the canvas and the acrylics. So it depends where you get it from. Okay, cool. All right, that's great. Let's go back to getting those images to produce the kind of experience and I guess the product, the way you think of it, for the clients that they want to spend that kind of money that you're talking about. One of the interviews I did a long time ago was with Sue Bryce. And one thing that she said that really struck a chord with me and stuck out was that once you have a location and a style and a recipe for a shoot that works, don't try and reinvent the wheel. Go and do the same thing every day for every client. That's how you build a successful business. Are you coming from the same viewpoint or is yours totally different? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I think your style is inherent in you and it's going to be consistent. When I had my studios, I hired, you know, a number of photographers and I just needed to look at the photo to know which photographer and which makeup artist worked on that particular job because I just, I knew their style. So I think it's going to be inherently consistent. I don't think you should reinvent the wheel every time, but I believe that we need to help clients find out their story and find out what matters to them. And that's where the difference is going to be for, you know, every client, how that translates in photography is going to be up to that person's style and the way that you interpret it, but helping people find out what they have to celebrate in their family is probably the most important thing before you even pick up a camera. Most people need to feel as though they're worth photographing before you physically pick up a camera. And a lot of the general public don't feel good enough to be photographed. And that's where we need to start stepping up what we do to help them feel valuable enough to be photographed. So, okay, so does that happen then 
before the phone rings, before the lead comes into the business, or is that after? Because if I get a lead, it generally tells me, well, this person is interested in having their photo taken or their family photo taken. So when do we start to build up that? So from that point on, you would then make a phone call to them and ask them, okay, awesome, you decided, you know, that you want to have a photograph taken of your family. Why is now the right time for your family? Who's important to you right now? Who are you planning on sharing this experience with? And what's important to them about you? You know, why are they important to you right now? Does this approach or does it matter if this particular lead came from a promotion, say for a, whether it was for a free shoot, whether it was for a Mother's Day special, a Christmas, an Easter special, whatever, or does it have to be an organic call where they've Googled family portrait photographer, found your website and contacted you? Does it matter? No. Okay, so I can take the same approach no matter how the lead comes in. Yeah, so you need to, so I suppose in that way, regard, yep, Sue's right. You need to, you know, don't reinvent the wheel. You know, every single client goes through the same experience and then that's what helps you decide whether this is the right client for you. So working with them and helping them discover what's important to them about their family, they tend to be the clients that are going to enjoy the experience and want to work with you. Mm -hmm. What if someone calls and they just want to get photos of their children? You know, I don't need to be in any photos. I don't feel great at the moment. I guess similar to what you just said. Yeah, I just really want to get some photos of my kids before they get too old. Like, how do we handle those kind of conversations? Well, it's the same as, again, you're not going to reinvent the wheel. Great. So let's, how many kids do you have? What are their names? And let's say one of them's Timothy. Let's talk about Timothy. What is it about Timothy that makes him unique? And normally by the time we take them through the experience, the parents are involved because they see how important it is. Right. So do they do that subconsciously or are you, are you teaching us how to do that, how to bring them in and how to make them feel like they should be part of this shoot too? It's part of the process. It's part of the experience. And obviously for some parents, they just want their kids done and that's okay. That just gives you a reason to market to them, to get them in as a couple later on. But when you start talking about one of their children and help them celebrate each of their children individually so then they can see what it is about each of those children that they cherish and love, then that's what's going to be celebrated because the idea is we're going to be creating an heirloom for each one of those children for them to feel as though they have been uniquely celebrated Mm -hmm. by people that matter to them. So what kind of things are you looking to get out of? I'm assuming it's most of the time it's going to be the mother at this stage. But like if you speak to, I guess, a lot of the mums, if they've got young kids, are going to say, well, they, he loves computer games. He's into Fortnite. You know, we can either get him out of his room. We've got to, you've got to tell him to commit suicide in your computer game just to come and have dinner. Well, what is it about that that he loves? And you need to take it deeper and you need to ask her, you know, if he was, you know, just spending quality time on a really good day, a day that just cap- he, he's captivating you, what would he be doing? What is that one thing that activates you about Timothy? So we're trying to get him out of that room, out of the space where she normally sees him and I guess recreate that time when she sees him at his best. Step one is create a positive scene. So the first thing is we need to add that, you know, on a really good day when he's just being, you know, that beautiful little boy that he is because We've been conditioned in life to only focus on the negative and what's wrong. So step one is setting up a positive scene and asking it from a place of positivity. On a really good day, 
when he just gets to be himself, that day when he's just captivating you, what would he be doing? Where would this be happening? And if it is, you know, I've had people tell me, you know, that they're playing with Star Wars figurines. And by the time we've had the conversation, they've had this realisation that through playing Star Wars, they've shown to be, you know, they've had the realisation that he's a leader and that, you know, they used to scoff at him playing with these figurines became important to them because they've actually taken the time to think about what's going on and the steps that he takes when playing that game that he's playing. So, you know, they could be building Lego and, you know, how does he build Lego? What is it about that that captivates you? Take me through his process of, you know, what does he love the most about that? And in most cases, they end up in a place where that child is so proud of what they've created. The first person they look to is either their mum and their dad and they're running to them. And, you know, what is that moment like? What is so important to you about that? It's about helping people stop and really stop taking everything for granted and really analyze what that child's doing and beginning to reappreciate the gift that they've been given. Okay. So let's, I mean, I can picture this moment now. I mean, the way you described it with the Lego and running to mum or dad with pride, how do we convert that into photography sales? Well, I mean, that just makes a shoot so easy. Throw some Lego on the ground and (laughs) playing with Lego and, you know, you come in and you, you know, during the phone call, you're going to be asking her, you know, describe how he does this. And he'll have a sequence, whether he puts all the colors together first, and then he thinks about planning it. What does that look like? What are those expressions you love the most as he's planning that? What does that remind you of as he's doing that? And then what does he do? How is he putting it together? Is he quite gentle or is he just, you know, and she's describing that to you? all of those emotional words that she then starts to use to describe this child and the meaning behind what he's doing will be obvious to you when you're photographing. So, you know, if he is quite gentle and he's quite calculating and he does plan it all and he's quite systematized, then that's all the different pieces that you need to make a collection. Mm -hmm. No, I like that. So what about the listener who's listening to you right now thinking, screaming at their radio or whatever they're listening, however they're listening, Steve, Steve, I'm an outdoor shooter. They can't bring Lego to an outdoor shoot. What do I do? Why can't they? Like have they never had a picnic and never brought toys to a picnic? Like why? Okay. And what's normal to that client? Like where do they normally do that? Like could they not do it in the sand? Like could they not do it? anywhere like why and every family is going to be different and you know we're photographing our family so you know depending upon how that family lives and what's important to that family we're then creating you know you're not going to be shooting lego for every single family sure so do you find photographers that you talk to are like me where they're (laughs) they keep throwing up these but but i'm different what about my clients don't do this oh i've never heard that ever (laughs) never (laughs) ever 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 andrew (laughs) My clients won't want that, you know. (laughs) But the reality is, is that most people haven't taken the time to really soak up their children or really soak up that person that means something to them because nobody's bothered to ask them ever before. Mm, True. Most people are looking for issues or how to deal with someone. And as an industry, if we can start helping people celebrate what's important to them about those little kids that they love, 
and, you know, that relationship, you know, we had a dad come in a couple of months ago and he just got divorced, has a huge amount of guilt on his shoulders and at the end of the session said, I didn't even realise that my son ever saw me until this shoot. I didn't realise that he even noticed me as I walked into the room. And the fact that you guys called him and he was able to answer questions about who I am as his father, this guy was couldn't even speak yeah, right. from the tears because he just came from a place of guilt. And we don't stop and we don't take notice because life gets busy. But I think as an industry, that's our role is to help people reconnect as a family or reconnect as a father, reconnect as a, you know, with your children. And when we help people do that, what's the value of what we've just produced for them? You're talking about dads there and fathers. And I remember the last time we spoke, maybe even the last couple of times we did the interviews for the podcast, you were really adamant that the photographer had to get the father or both parents on the phone before the shoot. Do you still feel the same way? Yes. That's, that has to happen. Well, if you're creating an experience for a family and there is a father present and there is, you know, a mum present, then those two decision makers need to be part of the experience. And those children need to know that each of them play their role in deciding and creating what was important to them about me as their son. Mm -hmm. That's important, isn't it? Absolutely. It is important, but I know from experience that it's difficult to get dads on the phone and that want to talk and open up and, you know, particularly about this stuff. They don't want to get deep on the phone with a photographer they don't know. Usually it's the wives that are the gatekeepers, but once you get past the wife, the guys just are an emotional mess. (laughs) They really are because nobody's ever given them permission. The guys are the easiest, easiest to talk to because they don't get that opportunity very often. Premium members of PhotoBiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. For the listener who wants to learn more from you, I know you've mentioned you have a membership site, you also have your webinars and you offer the one-on-one coaching. Let's say someone's thinking, listening to this and think, I want to be good at Expos, there's an expo coming up. Can they come in and learn that aspect from you? Yes, there are specific courses in the membership just on expos and I run workshops. So we run workshops on bookings, on sales, on um, and the sales one covers how to create the right environment as well in, as far as building that um, or restructuring your design consultation space. So there is the membership and there's workshops and with the membership, If you have any questions, just ask in the membership and you get directed into the right place. It's easy. (laughs) No. Where's the best place or the easiest place to find where all this is hanging out on the web? www.steveseparitoeducation.com. All right, cool. I'll add links to that. And it's one P, isn't it, in Separito? And one T. (laughs) One P, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll add links to those in the show notes. Yeah, I wanted to... (laughs) I get asked about photography business coaches by listeners occasionally. And I have been known, and I don't know if you're going to be happy about this or not, I've been known to say, you are fantastic, you're amazing at what you do, but it's your way or the highway. (laughs) 
<laughs> is that fair? For me? No. Well, no, because people have got to do what feels right for them. Yeah, but isn't that then when you see someone that's not having success when they're, you're trying to help them but they're not doing what you're suggesting? They're not going to ignore everything ever and most people need to make a change. So, you know, before anybody comes to a workshop, I interview them. They can't just buy into a workshop. And I need to make sure that the people coming are ready and that they have the right mindset for creating this change for themselves. So if people are not ready, then they can join the membership for a time in order to, you know, to start. Because what I don't want is for people to come in and waste their money. If they're not ready, then they're not ready. There's no point in me taking their money and and knowing that they're not going to implement anything. Some people need to spend some time in the membership. They're just not ready for it yet. I've got lots of people that profess that they only implement 20% of what they've learned from me. And, you know, (laughs) that's what's comfortable for them. That's fine. But they're still making tons of money and, more importantly, tons of families happy. So, you know, that's what's important. Yeah, that's awesome. Steve, it's been a real pleasure, mate. Thank you for getting up out of your bed. I know you're crook. <laughs> You've been crook as well. <laughs> it's all good. It's been, mate, again, the time just flies when I chat to you and we have to do this again. I'd love to dive deep into some of the stuff we've talked about. I know that you're already part of the Photo Biz X premium members group and we always hit you up there when we have questions. I'll have links to where people can find you in the show notes for today's episode. And I know that you're going to be easy to reach there online as well. So, yeah, mate, massive thanks. Love what you teach, love what you do. Thanks, Steve. Awesome. Thank you so much, Andrew. It was really great. It didn't hurt at all. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you enjoyed that interview with Steve as much as I did. Steve, if you're listening, I said it to you earlier, it's always a pleasure having you on the show, mate. I love what you teach. I love what you have to share. I love your approach to portrait photography business. And I know the listener will feel exactly the same way. So, mate, again, thank you so much for coming on and sharing what you did. I could talk to you for so much longer and so much more, and I'm sure we will again in the future. For you, the listener, was there something that Steve shared that you thought, yes, absolutely, I can implement that into my business because I would love to hear about that. What is your one big takeaway from what Steve had to share? Share that with me and Steve in the comments area of the show notes. And you can find them this week at photobizx.com forward slash 348. Now in those show notes, I've got links to anything and everything that Steve mentioned. It's all there in that one spot. And you'll find the comments area at the very bottom where I'd love to hear about your takeaways. And of course, if you have a follow-up question for Steve, you can hit him up there in the comments area as well. And of course, if you are a premium member You'll know that Steve is already part of the members Facebook group. So if you have a follow-up question for him, you can hit him up inside the Facebook group. I know that he's happy to answer those questions. He's regularly inside the group and always contributing his point of view in the kind of detail that I know will help you in your business. That is it for me for this episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week with another episode. That will be recorded from my home base studio in Terrigal, Australia, after another few days of skiing here in Japan. If you want to follow along and see some of the things that I'm seeing, you can follow me on Instagram. I'll add links to my account in the show notes, but it's instagram.com forward slash Andrew Helmich if you want to find me there. 
And also, if you are a premium member, make sure that you're using the hashtag PBXP for PhotoBizX Premium if you are posting on Instagram because I like to follow that hashtag. I like to see what you're doing, what you're up to, what you're creating. So use the hashtag PBXP if you are a premium member so I can follow along with what you're doing, what you're seeing, what you're up to, and what you're creating and sharing out there with the world. Alrighty, I hope you have an amazing week wherever you are. I hope things are going well for you, and I look forward to chatting to you soon. Have a great week. Speak to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment, and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 